Welcome back to another episode of Bonfire Radio. As you all know, the midterm elections just happened. It is November 10th and uh, the midterm, you know, they happen November 8th. Not all the uh, the the results are in yet, but we'll talk about those. But I just want to start this episode by saying um, congratulations to all the the candidates that had come out on top of their races, you know, at the heart of this. I know I know you hear a lot from the Democrats that um, and by some Republicans that, oh, if the if the opposing party wins, this is the end of democracy. But listen, you know, this is what people need to understand is the fact that we can have elections that that in principle are supposed to be um, free and fair. Now, of course, there's there some malpractice and some suspicions and some sketchy stuff that's been happening. But really, at the heart of it. The fact that we're able to go out and freely vote for who we want to represent us in office is democracy. So regardless of which party or which side is voted into office, whether that be all Republicans or whether that be all Democrats or, you know, it's like damn near impossible. But even if it was all a third party like that in itself is democracy, just because the opposing side is in does not mean democracy is ending, because if they were voted in then that is democracy at work. Also, not to mention, our country is not a complete democracy. Um, the founding fathers had talked about it. Uh, really, the any time the founding fathers bought, brought up democracy was in a bad way because um, a, a total and complete democracy just leads to mob rule. And that's not what we have here. We have a sort of like a, um, you know, populist sort of system where you know you have like the popular vote we're able to go out and vote but we're known as a democratic republic which means we run as a democracy and in the same way we run as a republic and you know that has its ways of working but democracy is not ending whether it's all Democrats are all Republicans. Now you can get in their agendas, right? And what their agendas mean. But the simple fact that people were voted into office means that democracy is still working. So just want to start with that. Um, before we get into the, uh, the election results, I just want to say, of course, we were all very, very confident that it'd be this red wave. Some people were even saying red tsunami, right? I was even out on Twitter and I was posting that, um, when I voted, I posted that on my Instagram and Twitter. Like I, I'm fully aware I'm not backtracking from that. Right. We all said it. We were all very confident. I mean, the only person that I saw to question that was Charlie Kirk of turning point USA. And he said that we were very, he said that he saw Republicans getting very confident, but if the vote, if the, if the voter turnout had even changed by 5%, there were, there would be no red wave. And really that's what we saw. Right. So I'm not making excuses or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, we did say there was a red wave. It didn't really seem to be like that, but in contrast to that, there wasn't a blue wave, which is good, right? Because that's what the, the opposing side was saying was there's going to be this blue wave that they're undermining Democrats and voters are going to show up and blah, blah, blah. Right. There was no blue wave. Um, I re- I think, overall the democrats had lost um except for the governorship they gained two seats uh 
as opposed to the GOP who lost two seats. But in the House, um, the GOP gained six seats and the the Democratic Party lost seven seats. And in the Senate, um, with the current results, they only gained one seat and the GOP lost one seat. So really, it's not really a net gain for them. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how it ended up. And really, really, um, people who listen to this who are conservative or consider themselves Republican, it's time to let Donald Trump go. I mean, I've spoken about this personally in my personal life. I wasn't, you know, because obviously I wasn't dropping episodes as often as I'm trying to do now. But I've talked to family stuff about this. And there there really is like this like Trump derangement system, uh, 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 Trump derangement, um, uh, syndrome where people look at him as if he's the saving grace of this country. Now, don't get me wrong. Trump was great when he came into office, right? He made a lot of changes, but that man, his biggest, biggest, biggest character flaw is that he is too obsessed with what he thinks people think about him or he's too obsessed with celebrity i mean look at the endorsements right and this is really what we need to take away is that nearly everybody trump endorsed or campaigned for there was supposed to be this red wave this landslide of republicans but nearly all trump endorsements are even are either with the exception of carrie lake i'll say because there's some sketchy business going on in arizona but with the exception of Carrie Lake, I feel like she could have done it without his endorsement, given her, her very charismatic character and she knows how to, to work the television. But nearly everybody else that Trump endorsed either won by very, very, very slim margins, which wasn't supposed to happen, or two, they lost completely. And what that's telling us is that it's not the Republican base because a poll still showing that uh when it comes down to a Republican primary, 67% of Republicans would still vote for Donald Trump. That's not 67% of the population. That's just Republicans. And that really needs to change. And that really needs to change because uh, out of the bubble of Republicans and conservatism, people do not like Donald Trump. And that's not just to say, oh, you know, kind of like have this like, you know, leave him behind sort of thing, right? Like nobody likes him. So we need to just... No, I'm not saying we don't acknowledge the things he did and don't acknowledge the type of character he had. Right. He was really like I, I'd like to say the founding father of like this sort of Republican reformation. Right. Like he didn't squish. He stood his ground. He, he called the media out. But now it's to a point where he cares too much about celebrity. He cares too much about what people think of him. Right. His. He, he's a very narcissistic. His public, his his view in the public eye is more important than the country at this point. So much so that he's even gone out and now he's taking shots at Ron DeSantis. As you all probably have heard the the Ron De, uh, DeSanctimonious uh, term. But even um, today... He's now starting to um, he's now starting to, to double down on on his his kind of you can say criticism 
for for Ron DeSantis. And I'm not saying he can't have criticism for for Ron DeSantis or anything like that. The problem with that is Ron DeSantis won Florida by a landslide. If you hear that man talk, he is America's governor, right? People flock to him. He doesn't he he has sort of like these Trump-like qualities where he stands his ground, he sticks up. But the thing is, he doesn't care what people think about him as long as he knows what he's doing is good or for the good of the country or, or for the good of his state, uh, rather, then you don't see Ron DeSantis uh, really caring like Trump does. So Trump is taking this, uh, taking advantage of this. And a statement was put out by Donald Trump and it says, News Corp, which is Fox, The Wall Street Journal and the no longer great New York Post bring back coal is all in for is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious and an average Republican governor with the great public relations who didn't have to close up his state, but did, unlike other Republican governors whose overall numbers for a Republican were just average middle of the pack, including covid and who was the advantage of sunshine and who has the advantage of sunshine where people from badly run states up north would go no matter uh, no matter who the governor was just like i did so what he's saying in there is basically all what was right-wing media is now all in for for ron DeSantis, and he's saying ron DeSantis is a very average republican governor and he's very average and or, or middle of the pack and he's saying that covid the only reason Florida did good is because they had the advantage of sunshine and no matter who the governor was, people would have flocked to Florida anyways. So then he continues to said, Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide for a very good agricultural commissioner, Adam Putnam, who was loaded up with cash and great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls and no money. But he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. I didn't know Adam. So I said, let's give it a shot. Ron, when I endorsed him, it was as though to use as a bad term, a nuclear weapon went off. Years later, they were they were the exact words that Adam Putnam used in describing Ron's endorsement. He said, I went from having it made with no competition to immediately getting absolutely clobbered after your endorsement. I then got Ron by the star of the Democratic Party, Andrew Gilman, who was later revealed to be a crackhead by having two massive rallies with 10,000 people. At each one, I also fixed his campaign, which had completely fallen apart. I was all in for Ron. He beat Gilman. But after the race, when votes were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day, along with now Senator Rick Scott, I sent the FBI and the U.S. attorneys and the ballot theft immediately ended. Just prior to them running out of the votes necessary to win, I stopped his election from being stolen. And now Ronde Sanctimonious is playing games. The fake news asks him if he's going to run pres- uh, if he is going to run if President Trump runs, and he says, "I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future." Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that is not really the right answer. This is just like 2015 and 16, uh, a media assault collusion. When Fox News fought me to the end until I won, they couldn't have been nicer or more supportive. The Wall Street Journal loved low-energy Jeb Bush and the succession of other people as they rapidly disappeared from sight, finally falling in line with me after I easily knocked out. One by one, we're exactly the same position now. They will keep coming after us. MAGA, but we'll definitely, we will win. 
put America first and make America great again. So essentially what he is saying is everything that Ron DeSantis is, he made him. He made Ron DeSantis and he's taking it as like a slap in the face that Ron DeSantis is doing so good and that without him, he would never won. Okay, there might be some truth to that. You might have built up Ron DeSantis, Mr. Trump, but in light of recent years, you have not been there in support of him and now you're really starting to double down on it yet his numbers are exponentially better than what they were in the last governor's race people like ron DeSantis. you may have put his name on the spot but he is making more of that it's kind of like mr trump when people criticized you when you came out and said you had a small loan of a million dollars and people were like oh he never had to do any work he started off with a million dollars but what people don't realize is that you can give a million dollars to anybody, but taking that million dollars and making it something is it takes an actual skill. That's essentially what Ron DeSantis is doing in the public eye. You may have given him that small loan of a million dollars, but he is making something of it. And it's the stupidest thing to come out and attack him, especially, especially when he is sort of your leaning opponent or, or leading opponent in the Republican race for 2024 if he decides to run. Now, if Trump decides or continues this rhetoric, do I personally think Ron DeSantis will run? I don't think so. He seems very concerned about the state of Florida, and I don't think he will jeopardize that to get into this pissing match with Trump over the presidency. Now, with that being said, given the result of this um, most recent midterm if Trump becomes the nominee in 2024 I, of course I would vote for him I'm not voting for anybody else they have lined up for, for 2024 especially because the Dems see this midterm as like a complete win for them they think they slaughtered us this was kind of like Joe Biden's test oh sorry his test right this was if they did bad, they would have they would have thrown Joe Biden to the wolves. But since he did good, they are going to double down. They will probably put Joe Biden up for the for the next nominee. But if they don't, let's see who they have in place. They have very unpopular cackling Kamala Harris. They have uh, failed uh, a mayor of South Bend, Indiana, gay Pete Buttigieg. They have uh, possibly stupidest person alive, AOC. They have not Republican Liz Cheney. They have. Uh, powwow chow elizabeth warren i mean it's a complete joke i i can't i'm not voting for any of those and then tulsi gabbard what did her uh, interview with joe rogan and he asked her well would she run as a, uh, an independent as for a presidency and she basically said that the way the system is set up they've set it up to essentially make it impossible for any third party to win for example she said the example she gave was if she were to win texas by 60% of the vote, she would only get 60% of the electoral vote. Uh, in contrast, if a Republican or Democrat were to win 60% of the vote in Texas, they would get all the electoral votes. So it makes it very, very impossible for a, an independent to win. They would essentially need all the votes to all major states. So I think that if Trump continues this doubling down. Ron DeSantis will not win. That's very unfortunate because if Trump becomes the nominee, people, I'm telling you, 
they will not show up. What we saw in this midterm is that Gen Z, the younger generation, these kids that have been schooled basically for the last four years, these kids that are being brainwashed, they show up to the polls and they're voting off the issues what they're being told to vote off of. There's no there's no thinking. They're all NPCs. They're bots. They're just told to vote off of certain issues and that's what they're doing. You can't sit down with any of these kids and have them articulate why they believe what they believe. And if they try to, they're just going to use talking points they've seen off Twitter. There's no actual critical thinking or real values or morals that come with these kids. And that's who you're fighting against. We want the moderate vote. But in a sense, people are sick of hearing about Trump. People are sick of the guy. And then not to mention, he was back in his presidency called the, the most divisive president ever. And people are like, no, not really. He just says, you know, things like, you know, Rosie O'Donnell is disgusting, which I mean, as fact to it. But he, if he becomes the nominee in 2024, people will not show up for him. He might get the 60%, 67% Republican vote. He might get more of the vote if he's the nominee because people are just, Republicans are going to vote for him, obviously. But he is not the man we need. We need to just leave him in the past. He did something good for the Republican Party. He set a standard. Now you have people like Ted Cruz. You have people like Ron DeSantis, right? You have people like that who are who show Trump-like qualities, but they're elevating it. They're doing it better. And those are the people we need to be looking at, right? We need to stand up in the Republican Party and call Trump out and say, listen, nobody is for this anymore, right? You had your chance. You did good. Listen, you didn't win two terms. That's not for everybody. We need to move on. Right? So, that's where I am with the whole Trump thing. He needs, I, I really do feel like he needs to go and people need to stop like cupping his balls so much. It's, it's, it's getting very tiresome. He was good while he was in, but he is not the man we need to be running on the on the the platform of republicans or conservatives anymore now moving on to the illinois midterm elections um unfortunately darren bailey did not come out on top i think let's see the results um uh jb prickster although i don't like to admit it he had a 10.6 a 10.6 point lead over Darren Bailey. I mean, honestly, it's it's just laughable. But I'm going to say this now. Everything I said about Darren Bailey before, I stick by, right? It's not about voting blue or red. It's about voting for what's right. Give the guy a chance. But now that it's over, the criticisms are going to come in because it's great. It's very healthy to stay critical of your politicians. So, excuse me. Um, oh man, sorry about that. Okay, yeah, very. It's 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 very important to stay critical of your politicians. Um. So Darren Bailey, where did he fall short? I feel like off the bat he was doing really good, 
Now there was still a wide gap, but there was a point where, especially after his first debate, his his mar his gap was closing. He was doing very good. Where I feel like Darren Bailey failed was he was not tough enough. He was he did not have the fight that they're looking for. I mean, there were the attack ads that said Darren Bailey is too conservative for Illinois. He was barely conservative enough. He was almost this conservative running on trying to run on a moderate platform. Listen, it's smart for Democrats to run on a moderate platform because the Democrats have become so extreme. It's not smart for a Republican to run off of a moderate platform because that means you're just squishing. It means in the end, you're not serious about what you say. You're able to be molded and put into this, this, you know, this position where, where people are going to essentially bully you into doing what they want you to do. So Darren Bailey, at first, his sort of responses were to like questions like, what are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. His was, he had his referendum on Chicago and he said his big thing was we need to fire Darren Bailey. We need to fire everybody and we need change. That's great. That gets people fired up in the beginning. I agree. But he continued that same rhetoric rhetoric throughout the whole um, election. And it got to a point where people were saying we need answers. We need real answers. And like I said, after the first debate, he did really good. Because J.B. Pixar just went up there and he lied and said he he's reduced taxes, the most taxes in Illinois. He's reduced property taxes. He's reduced crime. Education is the best that it's ever been. We have record high enrollment rates in Illinois. It's just complete garbage. He just lied all across the board. Right. And Sarah Bailey or, or Darren Bailey, rather, Senator Darren Bailey held held his ground. It's just going into the the. Um, closer to the midterms, he kept the same rhetoric. He kept it up. And then where I think he failed was, okay, yeah, uh, Illinois is t- is typically an abortion state, right? But when you come out and you say that even if you, uh, uh, you know, the, the abortion issue that it was asked of him, you know, would he would he change the restrictions and laws on abortions? And he said, well, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to uh, dude. Yeah, you're the governor. You, you would be able to. Uh, he says that it's a general assembly problem and, you know, the legislation wouldn't come from him. But no, like effectively, you could. So either he was lying on that to tr- try to get the moderate voters or he was just squishing on the issue completely. And this is a guy who's run off of a pro-life pro-life platform this is a guy who's compared abortion to the holocaust i'm sorry the holocaust was a very very detrimental thing if you truly believe that abortion is equivalent to the holocaust you would do something about it you wouldn't just sit there and say oh even if i could do something about it like no no i'm sorry so that's where i feel like he started losing people he started squishing on these issues and then of course he was being asked about crime well what would you do specifically about crime oh we would repeal the the safety act okay what then no answer or what would you do about education well we would fire everybody okay what then nothing what would you do about this fire jb prickner nothing after that fire this person nothing after that repeal this fire this person repeal 
no real answers. Like what conservatives are looking for and what some moderates are looking for, honestly, are, are they're looking for the people who are willing to go out there and really risk everything to show that you really care. And that is not what Darren Bailey was giving us. He just talked a big game his whole campaign. He His rhetoric and, and referendum was completely on J.B. Prixner. Prickster. He said he constantly said how we needed to fire him. And the thing was, JB Prickster had popularity already. He had the thing was, it's kind of like when you're in an argument with somebody and some you ask a question and somebody tries to turn around on you and you say, I can explain, I've explained my position. The burden of proof is now on you. That's basically what JB Prickster had, the, the leverage he had in this uh, uh, gubernatorial race. He had the popularity. Right. The burden of winning was on, on on Darren Bailey. How could he get people to his side? And what you saw was he campaigned a lot, a lot in in so, sort of like center southern Illinois. Look at any any sort of uh, election map from 2016 onward. Basically, from the bottom all the way up through Rockford. I mean, top of Illinois is red. You just have dense blue Chicago and su the suburbs surrounding it, like DuPage, Will County. Essentially, everywhere else in Illinois is deep red. But they don't have the dense, the population density. Also, Darren Bailey ran this big campaign off of Chicago was so bad. And then he went and rented out an apartment or a condo for a little bit. No, dude, your whole if, if that was truly what you were concerned on, whatever you said, you could have said the moon landing was fake and all of red Illinois still would have voted for you. But those were the people he was campaigning to. You don't campaign to the people you already know you have. That is not a Republican thing, a luxury we have. That is a Democratic luxury. They can go out there and say the, the nonsense they say they can go out there and just completely lie and they know the, the loyalty of their of their uh, base stands we don't have that for republicans so he should have ran his whole campaign out of chicago and chicago suburbs not red illinois they, you had their vote already and i say this to people all the time because they look at a map of illinois and they say oh well, how's illinois blue and i, I tell them population density Chicago for example or, or Cook County for example had perks are up 48 points their total votes 1,337,296 so 1.3 million is what Cook County contributed to this midterm election had perks are up 48% right now the county who that had Bailey up by 68%. Mazet County only contributed 1,478 votes. So there's a contrast. You have 1.3 million and 1,500. So yeah, you can have all these counties that have Bailey up 68 points, 70 points, 63 points. Edward County had him up 92 points. But that doesn't do anything when you're contributing 1,500 votes. When you have counties like Cook County that had Prickster up 48 points and they have 1.3 million votes.
right? Like, Bailey was not the person that we needed. I personally would have, like in the primaries, I, I just moved back from Texas, so I wasn't registered yet, but I would have voted for Sullivan, Jesse Sullivan in the primaries. But, you know, there's also talks that Prickster had donated to um, Darren Bailey's primary campaign. Why? Prickster knew he was going to beat this guy. He knew it. So any way to get him in as the front runner, he, you can say it was rigged. Not stolen. I don't think Illinois' election was stolen, but you can say it was rigged. Now, on a good note, um, I've said this in the past, Illinois has, is consistently starting to lean more red. And uh, according to the New York Times, you have the, uh, the, a map where they show the shift in margin and everywhere, all throughout across the state, you have a shift towards more Republicans. Even in Chicago, the shifts are small, but it's still there. Uh, so we're going to go through some of the numbers. Cook County um, in the 2020 presidential election had their Joe Biden up or the Democrats up by 50 points. Um, this midterm, they only had him up by 42 points. So that's a net loss of two. Um, DuPage County had Democrats up in 2020 by 18 points du- uh, or this past midterm, 15. Um, Will County had them up by eight points in 2020 this past um, uh, midterms, only up by two points. That's a loss of six points. Um, for some of the uh, red counties, McHenry County 2020 had Republicans up three points, but this time they had them up, uh, Republicans up five points. Madison County had Republicans up 13 points in 2020. Now, um, Republicans are up 16 points. Winbago actually in 2020 had Democrats up three points. This time around had Republicans up three points. So there was a total shift right there. Um, Tazewell County 2020 had them up Republicans up 26 points had Republicans up 30 points this election so you can see that across the board and then even in these all like red states that just vote red like damn near through and through even their numbers have jumped I mean from Warren County at 20 points to now 29 points Saline County 48 points to now 65 points Clay County from 65 points to now 72 points um, in favor of Republicans. So you can see that shift there that that overall the the shift is towards Republican. And I said that in a tweet, I think a couple days from the election, that although I didn't think that the Republicans were going to win, I didn't think there was going to be this red wave in Illinois. I knew there was going to be this red wave in Illinois, but the thing to 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 have hope in is that the the tides are changing people are getting sick of it now a 48 point lead in cook county that's with 1.3 million votes that's still a lot that's still a a crazy amount right that's going to take some time to change but you have um you have these counties that like i said um winbago switched and they had 85 point or 85.8 percent of the votes 85.8 thousand percent of the votes um 
So, yeah, I mean, we need to focus on Cook, DuPage, Will, Lake, Kane, McHenry County. Or not McHenry. Cook, DuPage, Will, Lake, and Kane counties in Illinois. They have the majority of the votes. And Will County is looking pretty promising. I mean, I live in Will County. So, and I can say that all the signs that I saw were a lot of Republican signs this year. Barely any um, Democrat signs. So, we have... um, we have hope in that. Now, the midterms in general, um, like I said, I want to go over those numbers again. Wasn't really the red wave or red tsunami we were hoping for, but we can still take solace in the fact that we are up two seats in the governor's race. So we're up. Yeah. Um, we're still up two seats. For a governorship um, in the House, we are up, let's see, 20 points, not 20 points. We're up 30 seats in the House and 30 seats, my bad. And we're up two seats in the Senate. Senate. So the Republicans are uh, still doing good right now. Um, I know that some races still haven't been called. The U.S. Senate race for Georgia, um, that that was the that's the race against Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. They're actually going to do a runoff election, so that's going to be December sixth. I think I remember reading. Um, the governor race in in Arizona between Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake. They're only reporting 70% of the vote. Um, it has Katie Hobbs up um, 8 or 0.8 points. Now, there were some mishaps with the of the the voting machines. It's like a so basically your ballot is like a big scantron and then you feed it into this machine and it scan it reads all your answers. Um, there were trouble with 25% of the machines in Maricopa County. Now Maricopa County is um I think that's the the county um sorry for my for my kind of I've kind of started slowing down trying to think as I go along but Maricopa County um where they were having trouble were in very heavily red areas within Maricopa County. And even Carrie Lake had came out and she made a video and she said that she, her and her team or, or her and, you know, some of the people with her went to go vote in downtown Phoenix where they know it was blue and there were no uh, uh, trouble. So that was the thing that in Arizona, they're like taking forever to count all these ballots. But then also, yeah, 25% of machines not working or misscanning these ballots in very deep red areas. And then now they're telling, they were telling the people to, you know, just drop your ballot into a drop box and it'll be taken downtown and counted. And Republicans were advising them not to get out of line because it's your right to vote. And, but in contrast to that, in very heavily blue areas, none of this was happening. None of this at all. Also, not to mention, Katie Hobbs is the Secretary of State of 
Arizona. So she foresees all of the uh, election um, um, procedures and processes. So very sketchy what's going on in, uh, or in in Arizona. And then I know they also have the house race in um, Colorado for Colorado, Colorado's third district. Um, you have the race between Lauren Boebert and Adam, Adam Frisch, I think is pronounced F R I S C H. Now, Lauren, Lauren Boebert was losing earlier this morning, actually. Um, but now with 98% of the votes in, she is up currently by 4.4 votes. Um, she's up by a total of, let's see if I can do this quick math, uh, seven. She's up. No, she's up by, by let's say, just around a 1,000 votes. Now, uh, a lot of people were thinking she was going to lose, but that house race still hasn't been called in Colorado. So you have Lauren, Lauren Boebert, you have governor, uh, gubernatorial race in Arizona with Katie Hobbs and um, um, uh, Carrie Lake. You have the Georgia Senate race that still hasn't been called. Now, I must say the most surprising um, to kind of like conclude all of this, I must say the most surprising race that I hit saw was the Pennsylvania Senate race between Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman. I mean, it's not to make fun of the guy, but John Fetterman literally has brain damage. He was absent for a lot of his campaign. He pushed his debate with Oz till, excuse me, until the very last moment. I mean, he couldn't, he started the debate off with saying good night. Like it was, it was the, to me, it was the craziest thing, but it goes back to what I was saying about the Trump endorsements and the Trump campaign. Also not to mention Trump came out and then started like bashing amendment eyes and called him lazy and a loser. And so, you know, Trump just really, there's no loyalty with Trump, right? He endorses you. He expects you to win. You don't win. You're no longer a, a priority. You're no longer someone he sees fit for office. He will destroy your name. And that's that. So those are the midterms and, you know, going, what we need to take away from this is that the Republicans underperformed and going into 2024, we really need to be ready because the Democrats for the next two years are going to do nothing but double down on everything they do. So we need to prepare. We need to come back better. And in 2024, we need to have somebody other than Trump as the Republican nominee for 2024. That is all I have for you guys tonight. Thank you and God bless. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Bonfire Radio. Don't forget to leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast needs. Now, I have mentioned that going into the new year, I will be on Rumble. I'm going to start making video podcasts, but not only on Rumble, I'm going to upload them to Spotify as well. So here's kind of the game plan going and for the rest of the year, I'm going to continue to post uh, episodes up until around Thanksgiving. And then I'm going to take what I like to call a holiday hiatus. And that is going to go through uh, the rest of November. It's going to go through all of December. And then going after the new year, um, I'm going to be back with the video podcast and that will officially start off season four of Bonfire Radio. I'm hoping to bring you guys more content. I'm hoping to bring you guys better content and I'm hoping to have a little bit more people actually working with me. Um, You know, obviously this is a, a one man operation right now, like literally sitting here, microphone plugged into a computer, sitting on a futon. But I am hoping that I can find some people that will help me with like social media and help me with my website and people that will kind of take on like sort of like an internship role because I have no money to pay anybody right now. But that offer is there. So I'm looking for kind of like a social media personnel or social media manager. I'm looking for somebody that is really good with kind of website design and aesthetics. And I'm looking for maybe one or two people that can help me with research. So if that sounds interesting to you, um, go ahead, uh, send me an email at bonfiretalk01 at gmail.com. Or you can send me a DM at Instagram, a DM at Twitter, or you can contact me uh, through the contact page on my website. Now, go follow Bonfire Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and check out the official Bonfire Radio website where we will keep you updated on everything. If you have any questions, concerns, feedback, good or bad, you can leave me a comment or send a DM to me on Instagram or Twitter. Or you can leave feedback through our contact page on our website. Also, do not forget the Bonfire Radio merch store is open and you can get free shipping on your entire order with promo code FREE. That's promo code FREE, F-R-E-E, F-R-E-E, F-R-E-E. One last time with promo code FREE, F-R-E-E. You can receive free shipping on your entire order. Support this podcast by clicking the support link in the description you can support us with as little as 99 cents a month there will be a new episode every day bonfire radio the only bonfire you can enjoy indoors